0: Open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. The great man Moses, faithful in all his house, led Israel out of Egypt, wandered in the wilderness with them for 40 years. He died at the age of 120 and turned the leadership of Israel over to Joshua. Joshua took the Israelites across the Jordan River and into the land of Canaan and in five years, six years, had defeated all the nations of Canaan, about thirty-one kings, seven great nations, and divided the land to the Israelites. And then it was time for Joshua to die. You're all familiar with verse 15. Well, let me read it to you. Let me get verse 14, which begins his concluding remarks to the nation. <clears throat> Joshua 24:14. "Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. And in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Amen. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. There is a great husband there is a great father. There is a great grandfather. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord, then go ahead and choose whatever God you want to serve. All right. Amen. You want to serve the little fat-bellied Buddha? There's a lot of people in the world that serve the fat-bellied little Buddha. Do you want to serve the thousand foolish hallucinating deities of the Hindus? There's a lot of people that worship those deities. If it's evil to you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, then go ahead and pick the gods you want to serve. Amen. Joshua told them, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Now, my favorite verse from this chapter is verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God, he is a jealous God, He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. These people had told him in between verses 15 and 19, we will serve the Lord. But Joshua already knew they were double-minded. Joshua knew they were not sold out and single-minded to serve the Lord Jehovah. They wanted to serve the gods that their Abraham and their other fathers had served on the other side of the Euphrates. That's what the flood means. And on, and back in Egypt. And Joshua told them, You can't serve the Lord that way because He is a jealous God. He will not accept your worship and He will not accept anything done with a mixture because you are unwilling to give Him your all. You cannot serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. You were created and blessed. And saved by a great God. And I want to tell you a little bit about him tonight in a few minutes. The Bible tells us about God, otherwise you would know very little about him. The Bible tells us that if you look at the stars and the sun and the moon long enough, and you look at tornadoes and hurricanes long enough, you'll know a couple things about him. He's got eternal power. And he's got a Godhead. A Godhead meaning the attributes that make up a being called God far above us. We can look out there and realize there is some being that is infinite in his power to set stars in place that are but little pinpoints of light to us, the nearest of which is one of the smallest, and yet 93 million miles away, it can fry the skin off of a white man like me. There's a great God in heaven. He can set a moon that can move our oceans by its gravitational pull. He can send a tsunami That will wipe out 275,000 people and leave 2 million homeless. There is a great God that has created everything from the most beautiful hummingbird to the most terrible typhoon. And he is a jealous God. I want to teach you a little bit tonight just remind you about his jealousy. Let's answer the question, is God jealous? Now the text here told us he was. It says he is a jealous God, and therefore Joshua did not believe that the Israelites were committed enough to serve him. They said they would serve him. Lots of people say today, I believe in God, I serve the Lord, I love Jesus Christ. You and Joshua would say to 99.9% of them, you cannot serve the Lord. Because what they mean is, I believe in God, but I want to have my cake and eat it too. I like the world too, so I want to have them both. And Joshua said, you can't do it because he's a jealous God. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Jealousy is a powerful passion in men, and it's a powerful passion in the Lord. Men in a fit of jealousy will do anything and be unable to think about it. Women can do some pretty terrible things themselves in a fit of jealousy. It's a powerful passion. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 24. It's a short verse. Look at it. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. These are the words of Moses before he gave the leadership to Joshua. Deuteronomy is Moses' book. He's still speaking. And he told Israel... For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. There are those that will say, well, that was the God of the Old Testament. I don't know what kind of a creature they're worshiping. My God changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I would like to show you where this verse is quoted in the New Testament. Some of you are nodding your heads. Lead me to it. Where is it? Hebrews? Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's find it quoted in the New Testament. What we saw this morning in Matthew chapter 5 is men jumping into scriptures, hearing the sound of words like sound bites used by politicians, instead of getting the sense of the words. We saw in the few verses that we looked at this morning that men can end up being pacifists by misunderstanding the five verses of Matthew 5 that we studied this morning. Men will jump into the Bible and think that God is different in the New Testament than he was in the Old. But when Moses was appealing to the people about how serious it was to serve God in the Old Testament, he said, God is a consuming fire. Now look what Paul says when he's exhorting the same nationality, the same Jews, to serve the Lord under the New Testament. Hebrews 12 and verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. And that's in the New Testament. The Lord God has not changed. He is a jealous God, and his jealousy is described as a burning fire that consumes all in its path because he cannot tolerate a rival to his position as the creator, the blesser, and the savior of us. And when we let something compete with God, it is the height of spiritual fornication and spiritual adultery because he is our creator. He is God. He is our blesser. He has blessed us with so many things. And he has saved us. How can anything compete with him? And so his anger burns in his jealousy. He will not allow a half-hearted effort in his worship. He will burn against that man. Is God jealous? Indeed he is. Go back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. Tonight might be a little bit of a Bible study. Let's turn the pages a few times. What good are my opinions? They're worthless. You know, our website is entitled, Let God Be True, But Every Man a Liar. And the first man on that list is your pastor. Never trust your pastor. Trust the Word of God. Never follow me. Follow the Lord. I'm telling you that God is jealous because the Bible is telling you God is jealous you have a book in front of you with black and white print. It's as good as a legal document because it's called the New Covenant. And it tells us the truth. Look at Exodus 34 and verse 14. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. There we have Jealous with a capital J because his name is Jealous. God enjoys the name of Jealous Because God does not put up with competition. He does not allow us to date other gods. See, see, look at verse 13 if you want to know what's under consideration here. Moses told Israel, But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. That's where the other pagan nations of Canaan worship their gods. See, we're not all going to the same place. We're not all worshiping the same God. And God said all their altars and all their way of worship, tear it down because I'm a jealous God and I don't want you doing anything like that to me. God is jealous. Look at the little book of Nahum. It's going to be hard to find it. If you go to Matthew and start backing up, it might be the easiest way. The little book of Nahum. It's at the end of your Old Testament's. One of the best things you can do when you want to learn the Bible is to memorize the books of the Bible. How many are there? 66. That's why we call it our 66 magnum. There are 66 books, 39 in the old and 27 in the new. To memorize them, you can find the little hidden books of the Old Testament rather easily. Or you can get an indexed Bible. Or you can bring a computer Bible like Matthew Jones does and just sit there and punch it in. Now that's cheating, isn't it? Nahum, a prophet, he was out preaching against one great city in the world, Nineveh. Here's what he had to say about the Lord. Look at the first verse. The burden of Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. God is jealous. What a sermon. I'm thankful for the Bible. It tells me what to preach. Here's how the man opened his mouth and began to speak. God is jealous. He had blessed Nineveh to be one of the greatest cities of the earth. You can read about the history of the city of Nineveh. It was great, but they hadn't humbled themselves to serve the Lord like they should have. So he is coming in burning fire against that nation and that city nation. God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger. "...and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked." You say, well, there's some comfort in there. It says he's slow to anger. Do you know what that means? A person that gets angry slower gets more angry than the man who just gets angry quickly. Because that quick anger is nothing compared to the slow burning fire of slow anger. That's what it means. There's no comfort in there. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked." Does that sound like slow anger that will acquit the wicked while it's building? No, it's like terrible anger. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind. Tornadoes. Hurricanes. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Verse 5, The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Those are some verses for Bible school that children ought to learn. You know, they don't get to learn verses like that. Teachers would say those are PG-13 verses. They're a little too violent for our little children. Well, God never thought that way about the little children of Israel. They saw waterlogged Egyptians floating up on shore and they believed that God was just the way we read. He is a great and a jealous God and he comes in vengeance and fury against his adversaries. And do you know who his adversaries are? Anyone that lets any being compete with him. God wants no rivals in your life. God wants all you have and all you are. He created you and he expects every ounce of you back. What is the first commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with how much of you? All of thy heart, of thy heart, of thy heart soul, mind, mind and, strength. and strength. Now that's a pretty jealous being, isn't it? Why doesn't he say, I just want you to love me at least 51%? As long as you'll give me 51%, you can give 49 to other things in life. Does he say that? No. I want it all. He has a right to say that. He is the God of heaven. Whether he ever created us, blessed us, or saved us, it doesn't matter. He is God. He has a right to be jealous because he is so infinitely superior to everything else in the universe. We owe him our souls, our strength, our life, our hearts, our minds, all that we have. He will not accept less. That's why Joshua said, ye cannot serve the Lord. Because he was addressing a nation that loved to compromise and loved to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to worship the Lord and have their false gods. They wanted to worship the Lord and have their pleasures in the world. What is jealousy? Jealousy is vehement feelings and anger against any rival that is trying to take away the affection of your beloved object. Jealousy is the state of mind arising from the suspicion, the apprehension, or knowledge of rivalry. In Bible language, it's God having a love that will not tolerate any unfaithfulness or defection on our parts away from him. He wants all of us, and he does not want us giving our attention or our affection to anyone else. You know, a great blessing for a marriage is found in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. Let me read it to you. It describes the jealousy of men and women. But the Lord is far more jealous than we can imagine because he's infinitely superior and we're not. You know, we get jealously possessive of our spouses, and yet we're all peers together. There's no great difference among us. Why should they love us more than loving anyone else except by the marriage covenant? But God is so superior, he ought to get that by default. Listen to this. Here's a great covenant for a marriage. Do you remember it, Matthew? Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. That's what, how God describes love and jealousy but the great God of heaven is the most jealous of all. And what does it mean to you and me? He wants all of us. He wants all that you have to offer. Why does God get jealous? Because he's God. Men that are athletic do not like their girlfriends or their wives seeing someone more athletic. bothers them. Men that have a good income don't like their wives knowing about a man who has a better income. It's the nature of a man. He doesn't want a rival. He doesn't want any object that might distract his wife's affection and adoration for him. I'm just trying to use a little illustration because the Bible compares our relationship to God as a marriage. But do you know God gets jealous because there are no rivals. We create them because we're so foolish. He is God. Who wants to compete? Who can make more? Who's more creative? Who's more loving? Who's lived longer? Who's stronger? Who's more beautiful than the God of heaven? He is God. He has a right to be jealous. He created you. Where in the world do you think you came from? That part of you that is a soul that thinks and hears me what I'm saying right now, and is making choices about whether you want to believe it or not, where did that soul come from? There is a great soul in heaven, and it's the soul of God himself, the Lord Jehovah, the Lord Jesus Christ is his son, and he sits on his throne in heaven. He is jealous when we let anything compete with our affection for him. And he gets jealous because he is God. There is no competition for the God of heaven. He gets jealous because he created you. Where do you think you came from and why are you giving your affection to other creatures? When you ought to be giving all of your affection to your creator. We've already had our final song. Select our final song selected for tonight. What's it going to be? Revelation 4:11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, To receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We're going to sing that in just a few moments. Good selection. He is God. So he gets jealous because there's no, he has no competition. You know, I love the book of Isaiah from about chapter 40 to about 48. You'll have the Lord saying that he went looking for other gods to see if there were any. I I love the language of Isaiah 40 through 48. He says, I went looking to see if there were other gods that could compete with me. But do you know what he said? I found none. I couldn't find any. What are you going to say? Allah? Allah? Allah is that little ball of cheese that hangs in the sky at night we call the moon. That is why on the top of every mosque, you have a crescent moon. Surely you've seen a mosque, and you know what sits the top of every mosque. Surely you know the shape of every Arabian sword. Surely you know what the image that is on every flag that flies over a Muslim country. It's a crescent moon. They're moon worshippers. Come on! When was the last time you got a tan from the moon? They worship They're moon worshippers. Allah is the moon god of the Arabians. He has no competitors. We're talking about the Lord Jehovah. The creator of heaven and earth. The father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The I am that I am. And there is no other God. I couldn't find any. He has blessed us. Have we not been blessed? Has he poured out blessings upon us? We live in the greatest nation on earth at the greatest time in in human history, for so many blessings. He has shown us the truth. He has given us the Bible in our own language. We have a church. We have families. We have spouses. We are blessed. We are not in danger tonight. We are all overweight. We are blessed. We owe him. He gets jealous when we start showing our affection towards something else because of all he's blessed us with. He has forgiven us and saved us. We deserve to go to an eternal hell, but he has given us, and therefore he has a right, and he does get jealous when we show interest in anything else other than Him, because he's God. He created us, He blessed us, and he saved us. We owe him our full attention and our full affection. The blessed God will not share his glory with another. Look at Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. God doesn't believe in sharing. He's not going to share His glory with any. Isaiah 42 and verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. You know, some old German was just crowned Pope Benedict XVI. In his three-sentence acceptance speech, he said, The very Holy Mary is with me. (laughs) There isn't anything holy about Mary. She needed a Savior as much as anyone in this world. She knew it. She confessed it in Luke chapter 1 and 2. He gave the glory of God to Mary. He will answer for that. God has been angry with that line of popes. I don't. They think they have 265 of them. They can't trace them because the first one that they begin with was never a pope and never went to Rome. Amen. The apostle that went to Rome was the apostle Paul the one that had to rebuke Peter because Peter kept getting himself in trouble by saying things that were not true. They give the glory of God to Mary. Mary doesn't deserve any glory. When they tried to give her glory on earth, Jesus rebuked them every single time. When Jesus was in a house, and Mary and his brothers and sisters, now see, that just blows a Catholic's mind, because Jesus had a whole string of brothers and a whole string of sisters, when they came to the door and said, your mother and your brethren are outside, they want to see you. He said, who is my mother and who are my brethren? Right. He looked at the crowd that was in there listening to him preach and he said, these are, this is my mother and these are my brethren. Right. Those that hear the word of God and keep it. Amen. That's what he said. When the first Mary Alater came along and was listening to Jesus preach and she got all carried away with herself and said, blessed is the womb that gave birth to you, and blessed are the breasts that you sucked. Oh, he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Amen. You know, so instead of cathedrals that have bottles of Mary's milk scattered all across Europe, as one of their relics, we give the glory to God. Amen. Because he gets jealous when glory is given to another. Right. Look at the words of Jesus Christ shutting down any attention being given to Mary. They want to splash the Roman Catholic Church all the way across the newspaper? That will address it with the Bible. Those men don't know squat about the Bible. They have set themselves in opposition to the Bible from the very beginning. Why do they refuse to allow priests to marry? Peter had a wife. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. 1 Corinthians 9.5 tells us Peter had a wife. But they give the glory of the great God to the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was just as any other woman. She was a sinner that needed the grace of God through Jesus Christ to save her. Look at that verse that I just read to you. I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory will I not give to another. They give the glory of God to others and they make God very jealous. And he is burning in his wrath and he's coming in judgment on that unholy church. Because the Bible tells us that and we've been through all that before so we don't need to spend any more time on it. Why does he get jealous? Because he gets so tired and frustrated and angry with us getting all excited about three things that turn men on in America it's jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 and 24 three things that get us excited and cause us to invest great amounts of money great amounts of time and much energy and thought in these three areas jeremiah 9:23 thus saith the lord let not the wise man glory in his wisdom God does not want us glorying in education or intelligence. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. God does not care about your intelligence. If you were the most intelligent man or woman that ever walked on earth, you still would not have any intelligence at all compared to the Lord. So why would you be glorying in your intelligence that is absolutely zero? It is infinite zero. It is dead. It's a null set. It's nothing in comparison to God, and as soon as you die, even you'll know that. Amen. But we get all excited about that. And that's such a great concern of our lives. And look what the Bible says. Jeremiah 9, 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Look at what the athletes are getting paid. They just came out with the average salary of a baseball player in America. And every team has... How many players do they have? 25. Uh, 2.6 million. 2.6 million. Baseball players ought to be getting paid minimum wage. All they're doing is playing a boys game. Our country's sick. It's because they're glorying in might. Jeremiah 9.24. The Lord said, don't let the mighty man glory in his might. Then he says this. Neither let the rich man glory in his riches. Those are the three idols of America athleticism and athletic accomplishments, education and intelligence, and riches and success. Those are the three great idols. And what does the Lord say? The man that has them, don't let him glory in them, because they're nothing compared to me. He says in verse 24, let him that glorieth glory in this. This one thing is worth glorying in, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. That is the Lord God getting angry and getting jealous when we get distracted by these other things. Oh, so-and-so is so smart. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Do you really think so? Do you really think he's smart? Listen, a child can read a couple of verses from this Bible and blow them away. What are you talking about? He's going to die and the worms are going to eat that little brain of his. Right. He himself believes he's an evolved monkey. What in the world are you saying? He's so smart. Right. And then they say, he's so strong. Oh, he's so strong. He benched 400 pounds. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Do you really think that is strong? the Lord hung this earth in place and he put the stars in position with his fingers. Amen. And you want to say he's so strong? Oh, Bill Gates is so rich. Ask him on April 15th how rich he feels. Ask him on a day after the stock market declines and ask him what's happened in the last four years to Microsoft stock. Ask him why he's half as rich today as he was four years ago. Ask him those questions. He can't do anything. Do you know what? He can't sleep in a bed that needs to be any bigger than six foot long because he can't grow any more than he has. You know, he can still only eat one plate of food because it's all over after he does that. He's nobody. His money doesn't amount to a hill of beans. He's going to die, and he's not going to take one cent with him. And he's not going to have designer undies on. The worms are going to be his undies. And they say he's so rich. I'll tell you, someone who's rich, it's the God of heaven. He owns the universe. All the angels, the created beings that we can't even see that are in in this room right now, he owns them all as his servants, and they do his bidding, day and night, forever and ever. He says, don't get excited about those things. I want to answer the question, why does he get jealous? Because we get excited about strength, education money are you kidding me go to the average funeral Joe was such a good man he graduated at the top of his class well where is he now oh he's down there in that box okay let me just keep my perspective here he graduated at the top of his class he got eight medals he, he had eight letters when he was in high school And he was all American in cop. Well, he's not very fast now. He gave millions to charity. He was such a rich man. He's left a fine estate to his wife. What's he going to eat tonight for supper? He's gone. And we get all excited about those things and see, I sound like an absolute nutcase. The whole world out there is all excited about those three things. Their lives are consumed day and night with those three things. God gets jealous. God gets jealous when we flirt with the world. He hates the world. He hates the world's philosophy. He hates the world's thoughts. He hates the world's actions. He hates the world's speech. And he gets angry and jealous when we flirt with the world. The verse is James 4:4, "Ye adulterers and adulteresses." That's look what he's calling us, ye adulterers and adulteresses. James 4:4. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Therefore, if you're a friend of the world, you're the enemy of God. That is what the Bible says. That's not my opinion. I tremble before these words as much as you ought to be trembling. If you flirt with the world and try to say that you believe in God and you love God and you believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and yet you want to have your peace of the world, he says that is adultery. You're committing adultery against me, and he's angry against it just like a man would be if his wife committed adultery. I'm answering the question, why does he get jealous? Because we flirt with the world. Look at Deuteronomy 28:47. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47. Let me give you a couple more reasons why he gets jealous. He gets jealous because we're not very thankful for what he does for us. He gets jealous because we're not very cheerful for all that he's done for us. And he ought to. Men get jealous for those things. Men will work and plan and do something nice for their wives. And they get a little tiny thank you and it's over. And it hurts a man. And it makes him angry that he worked so hard to do something nice for his wife and got so little back for it. And that's okay. God does it and blesses us abundantly. And we give him a little thanks, maybe. You know, they don't even want to call it Thanksgiving anymore. It's Turkey Day. It's football day. They don't want to give thanks to the God of heaven. God forbid, they would say. We wouldn't want to mention God on the television, would we? Of course not. Look at Deuteronomy twenty-eight forty-seven. what he thinks about this. Listen to these words. Because, because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, because you wouldn't be glad, because you wouldn't be joyful for the abundance of all things, and we all live an abundant life. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger, and in thirst, and in nakedness, and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck, until he have destroyed thee. That is God not speaking to the Philistines. That's God speaking to his own people, because he blessed them so abundantly, and they wouldn't be joyful and glad. Thankful and cheerful. There were whiners. God gets jealous. Because he's done so much for us, and we're not thankful as we should be. God's highly offended and jealous when we put our families in front of him. Jesus had to deal with this over and over again. Look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. We'll use Matthew chapter 10. It's it's throughout the Gospels where Jesus Christ knew that one of the great temptations that would hinder men from loving him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and from committing their lives to serve him wholly, would be their families. So look what Jesus said. The, these are verses that are unknown to the average person. They think they know Jesus. They're not even close. They, they believe in what the Bible calls another Jesus. It's a Jesus after their own imagination, not the one in the Bible. This is the Jesus in the Bible. This is what he said in Matthew 10 and verse 34. Think not. Don't dream about a Jesus that you think you know. I'm going to tell you what I'm like. Think not that I came to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Those are not my words. Those words are not from my outline. Those words are from the Bible. This is what Jesus Christ taught when he was on earth. 2,000 years ago, this is how God looks at us, and this is why God gets jealous when we let family get between us and him. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And family has to come second. Family can never come between us and God. Jesus came to put a sword in families, because that is how he would find out if we really loved him. The way that you can measure the love of anything is what they will give up in exchange for that love. God finds out how much we love Him by seeing what we will give up in exchange for Him. That is how He measures love. Every man measures love the same way. What will you give up for me? Will you change your last name? You know, some women today won't. Right. The Lord wants us to give up our family. Right. You know, anybody who hears that and doesn't think through it and hasn't heard everything we preach we preach more about husbands loving wives and wives loving husbands and parents loving children and children loving parents than any other church on earth because the bible emphasizes that right. but at the same time we recognize that that family love is subordinate to the love of god right. and to our love for god that's the balance the love of god always comes first if my family wants to worship some of the, if my family wants to join the mormons bye 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 you know, they don't want to join the Mormons, and I'm not trying to make fun of them. But if they want to go join the Mormons and get baptized for the dead and do the rest of the shenanigans of the Mormons, then bye-bye, because I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to run behind them because, oh, I, how would I live without my wife and children? I love my wife and children. I love my wife and children as much as anyone in here. But I'm certainly not going to follow them to Mormonism. Are you kidding me? What a nutcase I'd be. There's a God in heaven. He's he's God. He created me. He's blessed me and he saved me. I owe him everything. They haven't done anything for me. He's done everything for me. That's why he gets jealous. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not worthy of me. If you think family is as important as I am, you're not worthy of me. See, Billy Graham, Norman Vincent Peale, and Robert Schuller, and Pope Benedict XVI, have never preached a real sermon in their entire lives. Because they've never preached anything like that in their entire lives. See, when you preach a message like that, you can't have 1.1 billion church members. If Pope Benedict XVI used next Sunday to preach the Bible for the first time in his life, the church would shrink to about 70 members. We'll give him 80 because he might be a better speaker even at the age of 78 than I am. But that doesn't matter either because it's the word of God. When you preach the word of God and you show people that the Lord Jesus Christ brought a sword into families because he's going to find out who we love the most. Do you know know how do you keep your family together? Do you really? I mean, if you want to keep your family together, then you're going to sell yourself out to the Lord and beg for his mercy. If you try to keep your family, the Bible tells you what's going to happen. You're going to lose it. The words of Jesus are this: He that seeketh to save his life in this life will he that tries to save his life will lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Amen. So the safest way to keep your family and have the Lord is to sell yourself out first and tell the Lord from your heart that if your family were to leave you or to give you trouble in serving him, you're going to choose the Lord first. He'll probably give you your family. But if you try to save your family by putting it in front of the Lord, he'll take it away from you in one way or another. What will happen if God gets jealous? What's going to happen? He's a consuming fire, and he's going to burn in his wrath against us. Every man and woman or child, every family and every church that lets anything creep in between their love of God He is going to burn against that family, that person, or that church. Remember Ezekiel 16, that long chapter in Ezekiel, where God described the nation of Israel as a little baby that he found in a field. Mm -hmm. And he took that little baby and swaddled it and salted it and bathed it and took care of it and bought it clothes and let it grow up. And then when she became a beautiful woman, she played a whore. And instead of getting paid for being a prostitute, she went out and paid her lovers. She was so perverse. And that long chapter goes on in the most graphic language as God describes that woman selling herself to anyone that came by. That is how God looks at us, not loving him first. And he'll burn against that nation. And he burned against the nation of Israel and judged them severely. Ezekiel was one of their last prophets. He was a prophet while they were in Babylon captive in a pagan nation because they would not love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul and strength. Look at Revelation chapter 2. Is the Lord Jesus Christ like this? Does the Lord Jesus Christ get jealous like God gets jealous? Amen. Yes, he does. This is the New Testament, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2 and 3 have letters, short letters to seven churches. The first letter is to the church at Ephesus of Asia, which is modern Greece. Modern Turkey. Modern Turkey. Look at what he said in Revelation chapter 2. He, he commends this church in verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. Then he says this. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it in the red writing? Amen. Was it in red in Revelation chapter 2? Because it's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. He addresses that church at Ephesus and says, you have done many commendable things, but I have something against you. You have left your first love. You do not love me the way you used to love me. You know, men say that. Women say that. Men feel it. Women feel it. And God feels it. God knows it, because God knows our hearts better than we will ever know the hearts of anyone. He knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts, and when we leave our first love, He burns in jealousy against us. And he told that church that he commended for many things, because you've left your first love, I'm going to take my candlestick out of that church. Do you know what the candlestick is? It is the presence of God by the Spirit of God. He would remove himself from that church and leave them a dead corpse of a body. Oh yeah, they could continue to have services. They might even grow. But there would be no Holy Spirit in that church. It would be gone. That is a jealous Lord Jesus Christ. How about chapter 3? You know these verses well. Verses 14 through 16, he's addressing the church at the city of Laodicea. And he says, You're lukewarm. You're no longer passionate toward me. You're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. You want to hear it? Verse 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That is a jealous Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's a Jesus Christ that is not preached. That's a Jesus Christ that's not preached. All Jesus Christ wants to do that's preached out there, he wants to get on your Harley with you and cruise America. He wants to rock with you. He wants to rap with you. Jesus Jesus wants to smoke dope with you. The Jesus of the world. They have no clue about the Jesus of the Bible. They're worshiping another Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible, if we even get lukewarm, he is so jealous because he wants our total affection, he will spew us out of his mouth. That's what will happen if he gets jealous. Well, what can we do to appease his jealousy? What can we do to please him so that we love him in a way that is acceptable to him and he's not jealous at all? He's very happy with us. He's very pleased with us. That should be the goal of our lives. Right. That's what we want to achieve. Give Him your heart. Give Him all of your affections. Give Him all of your plans. Give Him all of your goals. Give Him your family. Give Him your job. Give Him your body. Give Him your looks, your clothes, everything you've got. Give it to Him. He's God. He created you. He's blessed you. He saved you. He, owes, he owns all that. You owe him all that. You can choose to hate the world because that's his greatest competitor. The world that tries to steal the hearts and souls of the saints. You can hate the world. Hate their music. Hate their thoughts. Hate everything about them. Hate what they think. Hate their goals. Hate their ambitions. Hate their carnality. Hate their newspapers. Hate their emphasis. Because they're wrong on all of those counts. And they're entirely wrong on all of those counts. I wonder how many words are in the Greenville News today. You know, it's pretty thick. I don't know how many words. But you know, unless it's a paid advertisement, the word God isn't in there. True. Now, isn't that incredible? They, do you know how many paragraphs will be in there about that little twisted freak out in California named Michael Jackson? Do you know how many paragraphs will be in the paper about him? But there won't be a word in there about God. Why won't there be a word in there about God? Because the world is the enemy of God. The world is the enemy of God. Do you want to please the Lord? Then hate his enemies. If you love or flirt with his enemy, he says you're their friend and you're my enemy. If If you're going to flirt with my enemy, then you must be my enemy. James 4, 4. The world as a creation is beautiful. God's given us a beautiful earth. It's man that's corrupted it. And it's man's ways that we should hate in order to please him. You can take time each and every day to seek him, his word, and his people. Do you really want to love the Lord so he's never jealous towards you? He's never going to burn towards you? Then love him. When was the last time you told him that you loved him? That simple. When was the last time you told him that you loved him? I beg you never to go to sleep any night without telling him that you love him. He can always be there with you. Even if you're being foolish in your marriage and you're not, not talking to your spouse when you go to sleep some night, you can still tell the Lord that you love Him. You know, if you really mean it, you'll roll over and hug your spouse. Tell the Lord that you love Him every night. Do you love what He wrote you? This is His love letter to us. This is not written to the world. This is written to us. Every letter in it. You know, when I flip through it, when I come to First Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, every book that I read, it's addressed to Christians. He has sent a special book into this earth right. that he has kept preserved for thousands of years, and we have it in our language because he overruled King James I of England, who was King James sixth of Scotland, to give us the King James Bible. Right. And he gave us a wonderful translation of the scriptures. How often do you read it? And when you read it, how much delight do you take in its every word? Did you enjoy Psalm 8611 like you had just got a piece of candy? And I'm not being disrespectful when I describe a verse in the Bible like candy because David described it as honey and the honeycomb. Psalm 8611 is a precious verse. Do you love the Word of God? Do you want to please the Lord so that he never burns towards you? Tell him that you love him and live like it. Love his Word and love his people, and he will not burn in his anger towards you. Hate the world and their philosophies. Reject all of that. Give him your heart, your goals, and your ambitions. Set your affection on things above. Instead of figuring out, how can I be happy on earth? You should be thinking, I can't wait to be happy in heaven. He loves that. They really don't like it down there on earth. They really want to be with me in heaven. He loves that. That doesn't make him jealous. But you know, while we're down here away from him... And we're getting very comfortable and happy down here, and we really don't want to go home to be with our Lord. That makes Him jealous. He wants us talking to each other about heaven. Isn't it amazing how, how attracted we get to this life and this world? Our little houses? You know, the fertilizer on our grass? And all the little things about our yards? Incredible! Where are we going? I'm gonna be fertilizing that yard shortly! It doesn't matter! There's heaven coming. It offends God when we don't talk about heaven or we don't think about heaven. Did you enjoy singing about when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there? Amen. If we sang it with true hearts, there's a God in heaven that was delighted. Because there's people on earth that aren't infatuated with earth, but they actually want to be with me in heaven. Wonderful. He was delighted. In us. You know what Jesus explained? When he was at dinner with Simon the Pharisee, and the sinful woman came and kissed his feet, and wept at his feet, he explained, those that have been forgiven much, love much. So if you really want to learn how to please the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's not jealous at you, Spend enough time to remind yourself that you're a great sinner. Right. He's a great Savior. You've been forgiven much. Yes. Love Him much for all that He's forgiven you. Do you know what He said about those that get enamored with this world? He says they have forgotten that they were purged of their old sins. Right. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. They've forgotten. Let's never forget. Do you know why we're going to have the Lord's Supper next Sunday evening? Lest we ever forget what we've been forgiven so that we will love him more and he will not be jealous against us. The Lord is jealous. Joshua said, ye cannot serve the Lord. He meant it. Because the way those Israelites approached the worship of God was in compromise with a double-minded approach. Yes, I believe in God, but I want the world too. You cannot serve the Lord that way. The Apostle Paul In 2 Timothy chapter 3, says that we live in the perilous times of the last days. There is a brand of Christianity that loves pleasures more than God, and they only have a form of godliness. And Paul told Timothy to turn away from such men, because they are not worshiping God acceptably either, and God is jealous against contemporary Christianity. It is our duty, our privilege, our blessing, to be those that truly love the Lord God and His Son Jesus Christ, and to please Him so that He's not jealous with us as a church, us as families, or us as individuals, because we truly love Him. He is a jealous God. He is a consuming fire. One second after you die, or one second after the Lord Jesus Christ comes, you will know that I told you the truth tonight, and what you do with it between now and then is the most important thing you will ever consider in your life. May the Lord bless us to be faithful to him and not to cause him to be jealous.